You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the podcast. Stroh's with me today. I'm glad to have Stroh in the room. Yesterday, I bragged on him just a little bit as I talked about how impressed I was at the apologetics retreat for our college students. So I asked him if he would join me for a couple episodes. He's in today just as a dialogue partner. We're going to pick up today where we left off yesterday. We're talking about the resurrection. Uh, Because for me, I think that the resurrection of Jesus is, is the heartbeat of our faith. It's the core. If it falls apart, according to the Apostle Paul, and I agree with him, if the resurrection weren't true, then we of all people are most to be pitied. So we're just going to start with the resurrection. Okay, so I, I want to assert, kind of kicking this thing off, Stro, that I really do think that there's a belief out there among folks, um, atheists or agnostics or just people who haven't engaged faith, I, I really do think that they have a hard time believing in a literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Like if I look at if I look at people and say, hey, I really do believe that that the Jesus who I've pledged my allegiance to, I believe he's alive. I believe he has a resurrected body. I believe that he is, you know, ruling the cosmos and and that hinges. And I believe he's going to give me freedom from my sins. I think he's going to give me you know life eternal in a in a resurrected body. If all of that hope hinges on Jesus being raised from the dead, you know, the response that I've heard in classic arguments, you know, on this is just, you know, somebody will look at the microphone, look at the camera and say, I do not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead because when people die, they are not raised. When people die, that's it. Yeah. And so I just want to share with our church family a little bit that um, a few of the reasons that I have for thinking that the resurrection of Jesus is reasonable. Like if, 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 we want, if I want to look at you and you want to look at me and we want to say, Okay, well, you're a believer in the resurrection, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely I am. And in fact, I mean, just, you know, very much so. So why do you believe it's reasonable to think that Jesus was raised from the dead? I mean, if I'm being just dead level honest with you, you know, the first time I ever believed that stroke was probably because I was born in a church where they told me that from the time I was old enough to hear, right? And so I inherited the belief in the resurrection of Jesus, you know, honestly from my church family. But I'm proud to say that as an adult, I have considered it. Right, mm-hmm. and you have to, and so let's talk to the church family a little bit today about the reasons that we have uh, for believing the resurrection of Jesus. Um, yeah, so why is the resurrection reasonable? Uh, one of the easiest ways to get at this one, and I think probably one of the most universally accepted, is let's take the historical facts that just about everybody agrees on. So we'll grab four or five things that we know that are true from history that happened around that time, and we'll say, okay, here's what we know. How do you explain it? And, right. and I want to make clear that like when you say almost everybody agrees on, like this is Christian scholars, Jewish scholars, I mean, agnostic, skeptics, atheists, atheists, everybody would say right. any, any historian, Oxford, Yale, across the pond, wherever you go, they're going to say, yeah, these things are true. So okay. what are the things that we know? Well, we know Jesus was crucified. Nobody's going to argue with you about that. Jesus was crucified. That's for sure. Right? Uh, that there was an empty tomb, Right? If there wasn't an empty tomb, this whole thing gets shut down really quickly because Rome walks in and just goes, here's his body. Right. There's no ridiculous Christian movement. It's over. So instead of that, though, we do get a lot of historical explanations for what happened from outside even Scripture. There are a few explanations. Uh, Folks are saying, well, the disciples stole a body, or this happened, or that happened. So if the tomb wasn't empty, they don't feel the need to say any of these things. 
They just point at the body. No, no resurrection rumor. That's the way you've said it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, an empty yeah. tomb. So, so the deal is you've got Jesus being crucified. Everyone agrees. You've got an empty tomb that needs to be explained. Everyone agrees. You have a lot of sightings of Jesus, right, from his early disciples and followers. Hundreds of people were saying, we've seen the resurrected Jesus. Now, we're not going to go as far as to confirm that in history, but every historian would agree with you, they saw something. Yeah, they thought, at least these folks the were convinced least, they did. They thought, right. And you have to explain that Peter thought he saw something, you know, Paul thought he saw something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so at the very least, you've got a lot of folks who are seeing, who knew Jesus, who are saying, I've seen Jesus after he was died and his tomb was empty. We need to find a way to explain that. Right. And then the last thing is you look at the explosion of the early church, like how fast it grew. Man, it grew and it grew, and it was being persecuted. It was being pushed down by the Jews. Rome let it alone for a while, but ultimately they started pushing back. Christianity had a hard, a hard season of growing, and yet in the face of persecution, martyrdom, disownment by family, the Christian church kept growing. And there really wasn't any social reward. I mean, you're not at in those. You know, people, I've heard people say, oh, you know, you can't trust the New Testament because the winners write history and they put it there. And I, and I laugh because I'm like, no, brother, when those documents were written, they, they were, were losing. Up, weren't they? Man, they were getting hammered. Yeah. And so you're right. There was no there was no social status. There was no wealth, no power attached to being a Christian. In fact, it was exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so we've got these these four facts. We'll just go with these. Different folks, when they use the minimalist approach, confirm other things. But we can just use these four, right? Crucifixion, empty tomb. Jesus' followers after his resurrection or after the tomb was empty said they saw something that they believed was Jesus. And then you have this church exploding based on this, like just growing like crazy based on this belief that Jesus died, rose again, and is God. So how do you explain that? There's been a handful of ways and a handful of different ideas. Um, I can give you one. So one is that popular explanation, the disciples stole the body, right? They went into the tomb, they took it, and they made up this rumor. Okay. Um, but Ben, I know you know some reasons why that doesn't really work very well, and so do I. So why don't you get us started? What are some okay. reasons that's not going to work? Okay, so if the disciples stole the body of Jesus, maybe they were doing it so they could claim he was resurrected, right? But if the disciples stole the body of Jesus, then that means that all the disciples who knew, who knew that that was false, first of all, they had to get by the Roman guards who, uh, <laughs> according to historians, were posted in front of the tomb. So you've got... A couple of ragtag followers of a rabbi who can break into a tomb um, that was guarded, that was under careful guard by Roman centurions, uh, by Roman guards, right? No problem. Second, they have to get the body out and get rid of it in a way that nobody finds it. But third, and here's a big one, right, for me, the biggest one is that means all these guys have to live the rest of their life knowing that this is a lie, mm. which is not a problem, not a problem, because plenty of people live with a lie their whole life. It only really becomes a problem when you realize that these people were persecuted for this lie and most of them were martyred. Like all except one of them, you know, church history passes on stories about their persecution or suffering and martyrdom. So these guys would have had to knowingly be living, propagating, and die for a lie. Yeah, and some folks will die for a lie, but usually it's not a lie they can investigate. Right. And so in other yeah. in other words, like the example that I use is there are plenty of people who've died for a lie, they just didn't know it was a lie. Like right. so I think of, you know, the the pilots that the jihadist pilots that attacked the Twin Towers, they drove those airplanes into the side of the of the World Trade Centers 
totally believing that they were pleasing God by attacking the heathen and that paradise was waiting for them, right? And the proof of that doesn't come now. It comes after this life's over. That's right. They're going to wake up and find what that's true. So for me, um, I, you know, I believe that they were misled, right? But right. they were convinced it was the truth. Yeah. The difference with the disciples, right, is the proof comes before. They would know. They, they would have done it. So, so people have died for lies. But you're talking about this entire group individually going their separate ways and being willing to die for something they knew to be a lie. And just psychologically, sociologically, that's really hard to swallow. Oh, yeah. And the idea that they would live so, so passionately for it, that they would give their lives for it, especially if they made it up, that doesn't make sense. The idea that they would all stick to it. Right. And, and let me throw this last thing. You've already kind of set this up. But, you know, we might think, oh, I know plenty of people, you know, who could misrepresent, but, and I would say, for what reward? Like, mm. you know, is somebody, somebody might preach a lie that they knew to be a lie if they were getting paid for it, sure, like if they, gonna make, if they were going to make a big profit, if they were going to get rich off of it, mm-hmm. if they were going to become famous and powerful. Popular, yep. But these guys weren't becoming famous and powerful. Oh. They were becoming imprisoned. They were becoming beaten. They were becoming, you know, kicked out of societies, right? Yep. I mean, some of them, right? They mm-hmm. were... So it, it's just there's no... Not good motivation for a lie here. No logical way that the disciples stole the body. Mm-hmm. All right, what's another alternative? Yeah, sure. So some folks would argue that Jesus didn't actually die all the way, that he was crucified, um, but it wasn't enough. He looked dead, but he wasn't really dead. And after they took him to the tomb, some of his disciples snuck in, revived him, and then he walked around and showed up for a little while. And really showed up to his his so if the disciples things. revived him though it seems like you'd have the same problem with the propagating the lie that's that's problem one yep and i've heard people say that he escaped on his own you know that he that sure. he he kind of revived and had the strength <laughs> to roll the stone away you've still got the problem with the roman guards sure um you've got a lot of problems with his uh you know with with his physical condition you know, mm-hmm. i mean after after a bloodied flogging that essentially led to his death, after beatings, after you know being um, hours and hours of crucifixion, hours of, a spear in the a spear in your side. The the other thing that you got right there is that like it's almost insulting to for me. It's almost insulting to Roman executioners that you're going to say they they buried this guy but he wasn't dead, mm-hmm. and it's because we think oh, back in the old days those guys didn't know if somebody was dead or not. You know, they, they could, they're not smart as smart as we are. They're not as smart as we are. Uh, sure. So I'm looking at us going, how many dead bodies have we touched? Like, our, I know our morticians, uh-huh. you know, but for the average Joe, how many? Not many. A Roman executioner would have seen lots of dead oh, bodies. They killed people all the time. And in the ancient world, people were intimately acquainted with death. I mean, they were with it. And so I really, I think, honestly, they would be more experts than we would be on, is this guy still living or is he dead? Yep. Roman executioner doesn't make that mistake. That's what I'm thinking. So, not, I mean, not only because he's super familiar, but because his job and his life's on the line if he messes this up. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and, and I've heard people laughingly say, if Jesus endured what he endured, was weak <laughs> enough that a Roman executioner thought he was dead oh, and placed him in the tomb mm-hmm. after all that bloodletting and no food and, you know, what he endured, if he woke up two days later and rolled the stone away and, you know, escaped <laughs> to his freedom, hey... He's got my respect anyway. I'll follow him, right? I mean, honestly, that's just impossible. Yeah, sure, it's crazy. All right, yeah. So, um, let's see. What about uh, what about somebody else stole the body? 
I mean, I, that, that takes 10 seconds to dismiss, but like maybe the Romans, maybe the Jews, somebody else besides Jesus's disciples, somebody else stole the body. Can't think of any good reasons for it. Well, that's because if, that's right. Motivation's not there. There's just zero motivation. I mean, if, if the high priest stole the body, they won't stop Christianity. They're not going to spend the next 40 years fighting Christianity. They're just going to say, joke's on you. Here's the body, right? Mm-hmm. And the Romans just have zero, zero motivation uh, I mean, a failed execution is all that it would show if you pull if you pull out the body from a from the Roman's hands, right? So that's not. Uh, I've heard people say that the disciples hallucinated. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah. So the idea here of the hallucination, and this this is one explanation that gets a little bit interesting. Um, a pretty pretty smart guy, John Dominic Cross, and kind of came up with this idea uh, that some dogs or maybe something got into the tomb. He wasn't really guarded. He wasn't really buried that well. Um, somebody grabbed his body, dogs, while then pulled it off to the woods, ate it. But then when the ladies came to repair the body, it wasn't there. And then everybody goes, oh, wow, he's risen. And now these people who are in deep grief, um, who are sad, who are depressed, who maybe they're not eating well, they're not sleeping well, they're scared for their life. Now they start hallucinating. And, and, we, and we know it's possible a person could hallucinate okay. under those circumstances. Right, sure they could. Uh, depressed, malnourished, not sleeping well. Okay. And so now their hope of hopes has come, and they're seeing visions of Jesus whose body was snuck away somehow in the middle of the night, and they're convinced of what we, you know, of this lie, that, um, and they, they don't have any way to, to disprove it. They've got all the evidence they need. So let's talk about what's wrong with that. Yeah, the real, the real trouble here is that every account isn't of one guy hallucinating. Are, are a girl hallucinating, Mary hallucinating, or Peter, or James, or John, you get group hallucinations. Right. Eleven guys are coming together and saying, we all saw them together. On multiple occasions. Yeah, and the trouble there is there's no no evidence of group hallucinations right. that are consistent. That's right. So, I mean, you know, Mary, you know, so Mary and Martha have to be hallucinating, then Peter and John have to be hallucinating. And they have to hallucinate the exact same thing. Uh, then the 10 without Thomas have to hallucinate, then, and then the 11 with Thomas have to hallucinate. And then according to Paul the Apostle, you know, hundred. I mean, Jesus appeared over a time of 40 days right. to multiple disciples, not just his 11, but to some of the larger group, mm-hmm. right? So Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15 that like 500 people yeah. saw Jesus. Uh, you don't have group... I don't think you have repeated, consistent group hallucination in that way without, without well, something Yeah, hallucinations have been on. examined. There's scientific studies. Right. We've never we have no evidence yeah. of multiple people having the same hallucination yeah. and be able to keep their story exactly the same. Yeah. Not not to mention that you still I mean, one missing thing is you know, I appreciate that uh, that some people say the body was, you know, was accounted for somehow—a dog drug it out or whatever. Right. But you know, the folks who don't go to that step, you've got to explain an empty tomb, a hallucination mm-hmm. of it. But if you take that extra step, then you got to really make a plausible, reasonable explanation. I mean, you have this prisoner of the state who just warranted like, you know, a, a mass gathering calling for his crucifixion, and you're going to allow dogs to slip into a guarded tomb? That Sounds just, highly on, unlikely. That's yeah. right. So it just historically. It doesn't seem to bear witness, right? Like it doesn't seem to match up. Okay, so what are you left with? Yeah, I mean, so when you look at all the evidence, we know he was crucified. Um, we know the tomb was empty. We know all his disciples are claiming they've seen him, and they saw him together, and they saw the same thing. Um, and it's hard to lie in a group. I think we all know that. One person might can get away with a lie, maybe. Yeah. When groups of people start trying to right. hold a lie together, it falls apart. So it's not working. We've got this group who's saying we've seen him, and their story's consistent. Um, and then you have not only that, that consistent story, but you have the story 
of them and all their followers suffering and remaining faithful to this and saying, this is true, and no matter what you do to me, that truth means more to me than anything else in the world. The only, the only thing that can explain the disciples and the early church, right, good Jews, right, the only thing that can explain them moving their Sabbath day, changing the way they live and being willing to give their lives for the idea that Jesus rose from the dead, based on all the evidence that we have, the only thing I can think of that makes good sense of that is that Jesus did in fact come back from the dead because he is consistent with the nature of God, that God raised him from the dead, which is just what they said. So um, I've heard people kind of liken this to Sherlock Holmes. You know, we, I mean, I like, you know, deductive. Sure, yeah. I, lo- I love Sherlock Holmes. He's a pretty sharp fellow, right? <laughs> you know, and Sherlock was always proving that the, you know, the superstitious things weren't true. I mean, you always, there's always an explanation. But, but his thing was like, you just follow the facts, right? You just, mm-hmm. the, the most plausible explanation. And in this case, like, I really am convinced that the most plausible explanation for the explosion of Christianity coming out of a group of monotheistic Jewish people who would have really been hesitant to call Jesus Christ the Lord and Messiah mm-hmm. without really good reasons. Nobody's going to follow a crucified king. He's failed if he's not raised from the dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way that Christianity exploded in, in, in a monotheistic Jewish culture and into a Greco-Roman pagan culture, like, to me... The best explanation is that these guys were telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Something extraordinary happened at that tomb that day. Mm-hmm. Life really did conquer death at that tomb when Jesus was raised from the dead. And it seems to be a reasonable explanation for what occurred. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I get that you do have to be able to willing you have to be willing to accept the miraculous and the supernatural element to life. You have to be willing to believe. Um, that that God intervenes in a world we otherwise think as natural and that God does things that are supernatural, like raising a body from the dead. Um, I have reasons to believe that as well, but maybe that's for another day. So, church family, those are the reasons that I think it's reasonable for us to hold on to the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ.